Hello and welcome to another edition of the From the Clubhouse podcast. I am Tom Irwin and I'm joined today by my regular co-host Steve Carroll. Hello Steve. Hello Tom. I was thinking um, when I was driving in listening to some other podcasts we really ought to have an episode number. But I thought we'd, I mean listen, let's not go too fast too soon. You've, you, we've, we've only just established seasons. And again, I was a bit grumbly about that season two. It sounds very American. Well, my, I, don't know, I don't know what your favourite podcast is. My favourite podcast is the Football Clichés podcast. Interesting. Very interesting. Hosted by a man called Adam Hurry. He also has a Twitter account called Football Clichés. You just completely missed my cliche there. <laughs> Sorry, what was your cliche? How interesting. I was quoting a very specific, famous piece of commentary, which has become a cliche, and you, you completely sailed over your head. Did you, can we do it again? My no, favourite podcast no. is the Football Clichés podcast. No, the, 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 ti- the time has gone. The time has gone. It can't, it can't, be, it can't be returned. I said interesting, very interesting. Well, I'm sorry. What famous piece of commentary is that? It's a Barry Davis piece of commentary. Jesus, that's niche. Maybe you should be on the Football Clichés podcast. <laughs> the whole the whole thing, I mean, I don't know why I'm uh, plugging it quite so hard, but it's just the most knowing podcast going. Like, if you're not sort of tuned into people saying things like interesting, very interesting, then you sort of miss the point. I, mean, I, I, I rather thought that the point was to try and keep people listening to this podcast, not send them in other directions. Yeah, well, anyway, they always have an episode number. Um, I'm not sure they have a sponsor, actually. We're obviously, as ever, sponsored by TaylorMade. Uh, presumably, they're still sponsoring this podcast after last week's advocacy of fewer clubs. Um, haven't, had, haven't had any angry emails, so hopefully we're still friends with TaylorMade. Um, anyway, you've been wielding, you've been wielding, haven't you, your, uh, your TaylorMade clubs? They've been far and wide. They've been to golf it. And you had another game last week, didn't you? What were you? Where was it? Bishop Auckland. I went to Bishop Auckland, which... Why did, why did you do that? Because... <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm so boring that I've got a book about um, golf course layouts and golf course routing. The book is actually called Routing the Golf Course. Um, and written by who? Written by a guy called Forrest L. Richardson. It's it's a sort of a golf architecture classic. And I was trying to learn more about how golf courses are put together, flow of holes, etc., etc. What makes what makes the experience a good one? It's a very this is this is, this is routing R O U T. It's not R O O T. It's not about planting trees. It's about laying out holes. Yeah, the Americans would call it routing, wouldn't they? But I, I just, I, I can't, I can't quite get used to that. Um, in, fairness, in fairness to the Americans, that does somewhat differentiate it from routing. It does sound better, I think. I think it's easier. Um, this is a very technical book, actually, um, which is why I've only got about forty pages in before it's been sat on my shelf. Mm. But within those forty pages, there was a layout and the routing slash routing of of Bishop Auckland and it just completely intrigued me as a place um, because it looked like it was the most insane layout um, that I'd ever seen on paper. So I'd had this idea to go and play it for ages and it couldn't quite work it, work it out and then I played it last Sunday, last Sunday afternoon 
And I can confirm it's the most insane golf course I've ever played in my life. It's completely nuts in a fun way, but it is bonkers. Right. So let's let me get this straight. First of all, we might have to change the name of this podcast to the From the Bookshelf podcast, the amount of books <laughs> that get referenced in it. Um, I'm well read, Tom. I mean, like, I'm not going to apologize for it. I don't know. It's just the sort of concept of someone reading a book is pretty amazing. Um, so you have looked in this book and thought, this, whoa, this one sounds interesting. I'm, about, I'm going to go and have a look at this, like a, some sort of twitcher. Very much so, yeah. The lesser spot, the, the lesser spotted par five. Did you go on your own? No, no, I've got um, uh, I've got a mate that I am currently, for whatever reason, touring northeast golf courses with, because he lives in Northumberland, and obviously I live deep in Yorkshire. Um, You've got and, a friend. Well, yes, Tom. Who's and is this egg sandwich man? No, no, no. That's this two is, friends. This is this is someone else, another friend that I play golf with, um, and we're currently touring the many and varied northeast golf courses. We've been all over the place over the last sort of eighteen months. I have been to Southmore, also in County Durham, which is an incredible place. So, routing the golf course is not a sort of northeast focus thing it's like routing the golf course all over it's just there happens to be some that are in the northeast yeah i mean for context for listeners i am born and bred in the northeast how are you i'm rooting the golf course that's the no don't do that <laughs> i had to do the Hawaii thing just to get myself into it anyway should we move on if we could off please you went, off you went with friend number two uh, in search of the lesser spotted par five at Bishop Auckland. It, it turns what? out they weren't very lesser spotted there, actually. There was quite a lot of them. How many? Uh, well, three in the first four holes. So how would you like to do this? Would you just like Would you like to just tell me what the pars are then by reading out the pars? Yeah, and then we can dive into some of it if you want. So this is this has got to be the most bonkers set of holes for a front nine I've ever seen in my life. It goes par four, par five, par five, par five, par three, par four, par three, par three, par five. And then into the back nine, it goes par three, par five, par three, and finishes with six consecutive par fours. Right. So how many fours are there in total? Like eight. Well, you're going to make me count them now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, eight. How many fives? Five. Right. And five threes. I, I, I got, got got there myself on that one. Well, I, I just thought I'd help you out. Because the number of holes on a golf course, Steve, is 18, which we'll get to later. Indeed. But if you think about it, like most courses these days, the, there are some variations like Strenny where I play as a par 70, so it's got two par fives and not four par fives. But a lot of courses now are built to an ideal, aren't they? Modern courses certainly are sort of built to an ideal of 10 par 4s, 4 par 5s, 4 par 3s. It's ridiculous how formulaic a lot of new golf courses are. I think if you design a golf course in the Middle East, for example, then you sign a contract that says that must finish on a par 5 over water. Well, yeah. Or in America, yeah, definitely. It's PGA Tour venues. There are some examples of um, quirkier routings on modern golf courses, like the... um, 
Centurion's got about seven par fives on it off the members' tee. Yes, that yes, it has. Yeah, but it, but even then, it's not quite. It's not as unusual as this. Um, you know, the first sort of half a dozen holes at Centurion are they're really nice actually, um, but they're still pretty conventional holes. I mean, this this course goes just delve into it a little deeper. This so we played it off yellows, I should say, because um, obviously we're visitors. But it's not massively longer off the whites. Um, and it goes 272 yards par four, so it's a short par four up the hill. It's the easiest hole on the golf course in terms of stroke index. So you start with the easiest hole on the golf course. It then goes 550 yard par five, 503 yard par five, and 499 yard par five. And the two stroke indexes on the second and third hole are six and two. So all the locals were saying to me, you've got to score early on this course because it gets difficult later on. And by God, it gets difficult later on. But then, but then you, but then you go, oh my God, I've got a five hundred and fifty yard par five, and I am not long hitter. And a lot of these par fives had like a creek right in front of the green, so you had to. It, it wasn't like I could basically slap a wood down there and hope it ran on. I basically, if I slapped a wood down there in my second shot and hoped it ran on, it would into a creek. Right. Sorry. So this five hundred and fifty yard par five, could it have been? It could if you could hit it that far, could you get up in two or not? No. Well, unless you can, unless you can fly the creek right in front of the green. Got you. So it's only available to the longest hitters, and there was some kind of ravine or something you were telling me. Yeah, the, yes, this ravine kept running through the property. So you get through these par fives, right? You go great. Finally, got through these par fives. Um, I'm now going to take on a par three. Oh no, it's a 203 yard par three. Great, right? So I've got 365 yard par four next. I'm going to score on this. Why is it stroke index four? Oh, because it's a really narrow green that's surrounded by a massive ravine. Mm. <laughs> so if you basically if you basically hit slightly left, you're in the ravine. the The ravine runs in front of the green. So if you hit it short. You're in the creek in front of the green that runs to the ravine. It was absolutely nuts. And then you play these two consecutive par fours. The first is like pretty long. Oh, sorry, two consecutive par threes. The first is like 138 yards. You think, yeah, that's that's not too bad, except that the creek runs all the way down the left. And if you kick it off the left-hand side of the green, just a little bit off, it's in the water. And then the seventh, the sorry, the, uh, the second par three is 168 yards over that massive ravine again and and then you get over the massive ravine you might you might get three or four and then you go into another par five it's just it was just i mean it was like loads of fun i'm not complaining about it at all it was loads of fun it was a really interesting golf course really interesting design even the six par fours at the end which would might give you cause for thought because you might go god this is a bit boring isn't it six par fours in a row they're not because they're different lengths. The 18th's a really short one, just like the first is a really short one. But the, but the elevation, there's a lot of elevation changes in the property as well. It goes up, it goes down. You end up like, for one of the holes, I think it's to go to the six, you end up walking across the ninth fairway to get to the 6T. So it's, it takes you in all kinds of different directions. You're never sort of hitting the same way. Um, for too often and it just I just thought like it just made me think hey this is like an insane track but it's also a lot of fun but it just shows you I think how you what you were saying earlier on about how formulaic 
normal golf courses, modern golf courses can be, because clearly what they did with this golf course, which is pretty well-established old club over a century old, is that they just used what they had and they fit they fitted the holes into the land they had. And the reason you've got three par fives in a row really early on is because that's what the land offered up. And those par threes move around the creek because that's the best way of moving around the creek. Um, so re- it was just, I mean, honestly, I've never... Centurion would would run it close with those seven par fives, but it but it's still the most bonkers place I've ever been to. You should go because it's not expensive. You know how much we paid to get on that golf course? Twenty two pounds on a Sunday afternoon. There was a booking fee there as well. Have a look at um, uh, some of the flyovers, and you're right. There are some quite peculiar holes. It's an interesting thing, actually. So we're going to, I think we should probably talk about the main topic of the podcast. We're going to talk about why golf courses are 18 holes. And it is a pretty interesting thing, isn't it? Because what we're saying, like if most modern golf courses are, um, they're kind of like done to a brief, right? Um, Whereas in the olden days, golf courses were just golf courses because it was much harder to move earth and um, you kind of had to use what you had. Um, so what, do you know why why did we end up with 18 holes in the first place? And if you took sort of a piece of land like Bishop Auckland, are you, are, you, are you sort of saying it might be better if you just put nine holes in? Like, really? I think it was nine holes originally, Bishop. And then I think it got extended to 18 holes. I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to get, because I'm, I'm just aware that these podcasts are starting to become sort of a history lecture for me. Um, but but the eighteen hole thing very simply is pretty arbitrary actually, as a lot of things in golf are. There's a really good book, Peter Lewis, who's uh, a very renowned golf historian, has done an enormous book, like three hundred odd pages about why there are eighteen holes. But in essence, golf courses were not built like that to start with. Um, Leith Links, for example, was five holes. Um, there are other courses that are like seven holes and nine holes. St. Andrews was originally 22 holes. And the reason we have 18 holes is because um, St. Andrews was, I'm going to put this, uh, trimmed from 22 to 18. And gradually that became the standard. Um, is, that, as, is that right? So the, the old was originally 22 holes? Yeah. Right. So, where were the extra ones? Are they on what now is the new? No, you've, so you've got to. I'm talking off the top of my head here, so people need to check it out. But I think what you now see is like one, two, 17, and 18. Well, they, that's reclaimed land to start with now. So, those holes, so the first, for example, didn't even exist until quite late on. But the land around there, there used to be more holes there, I think. As you go across the as you go across the burn, and then they trimmed that down. I, that, that's a very unscientific way of saying it. If you read the book, it's all laid out there. It's something to do with that. There were more holes, and they and they basically wanted to trim them down. So, obviously, St Andrews is not the oldest golf course, but it's quite close to it. Um, and we're saying that kind of the the kind of provenance of eighteen holes is like totally arbitrary and. If the wind had blown in a different direction, we might all be playing 22 holes now. Yeah, because if you think about it, um, old Tom Morris designed Prestwick. Um, in I think that, how, what, what would we be saying he designed Prestwick? Like 1851, 
Maybe first open was there in 1860. Um, and that was built as 12 holes. That's a 12-hole golf course originally. Got yeah. There are quite a few examples of sort of odd-numbered golf courses, aren't there? So Shiskin is the sort of QI alarm code one, I guess, which is 12 holes. Yeah, I can beat that. Um, go on, then. Um, near me, obviously I live in the centre of York, near me is a golf course called Heweth Golf Club. Um, right. And Heweth Golf Club has 11 does it has a nine hole golf course it has nine holes on one side and then it has two holes and a small practice ground across the road so they play 18 holes they play um they play sort of uh one and two and 10 and 11 are sort of separate and then they go around the loop again um but yeah Heweth is 11 holes so sorry see that is an interesting thing isn't it so Heweth has got 11 holes, but it still feels like it has to kind of pretend it's got 18 by having like some different sets of tees or whatever. Yeah, so you play the same, you play like seven holes of it, I think, off um, off different tees. And there's a double green for one of the par threes, wow. which is the eighth and the 17th. And there are some different tee positions for those holes as well. Some of them are elevated, some of them are not. Um, a, a lot of the members, like I was a member there when I first uh, moved to York and back then I don't know if it's still the case but back then outside of competitions a lot of the members just played nine or they played 11 didn't necessarily go around the loop um, but, but competitions are established aren't they as 18 holes so. so what else you got for me in terms of odd numbered golf courses Crikey now you're asking me a question I don't know we've talked about Shishkin haven't we there was a there was a place when I lived in London in somewhere near Watford um, where the, the idea was that they were, they'd created a five-hole golf course and all the holes were based on kind of classic championship holes from around the world. So you could go and sort of play the 17th at St Andrews, for example. Oh, or, was it, is it, is, I, I must confess I've looked this up. It's Northwick Park, isn't it, or something like that? That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we are, we are starting to see a lot of shorter courses being built now, almost like as academy courses. Um, so Royal Norwich, for example, have got a six-hole golf course on the side of their 18-hole golf course, which they were telling me last time I was there is actually busier than the main golf course for among its among the members because they can go and play six holes and that's absolutely perfect for them. And then they can have a pint and they can go home or they can play 12 and and and, and that's plenty of for them. And we've seen, haven't we? We t- we talked extensively about golf it last week. You know, golf it was an eighteen hole. Leatham Hill was an eighteen hole golf course. It's now been trimmed into nine, principally because to help beginners into the game and not to force them necessarily to play an eighteen hole layout. So yeah. th- there is there is change to this sort of eighteen hole thinking, isn't it? I don't think it's quite as dogmatic. Um, what I liked about Bishop. And what I like, what I've liked always about my own course at York at Strensel, is the way it was designed. It actually come back, comes back to the clubhouse in a lot of different ways. So you get a lot of loops. Like at Strensel, you can play one to five, brings you straight back to the clubhouse. Basically, brings you straight back to the road. You can go and play um, six through fifteen, you know, and then come in again. So a lot of these cool old designs also while they weren't necessarily two loops or nine, they did bring you back a lot, didn't they? Acknowledging, I think, even then that perhaps you didn't necessarily want to play a full 18. Yeah, they sort of allow you to do little loops. All, be- all the best routings allow for that. Um, I'm sorry, I'm still trying to think of um, places that have got odd numbers of holes. 
Um, there's quite a few sort of established nine holers, which are kind of just sort of nine holers in their own right. The most famous example probably being Royal Worthington in Cambridge, which is where the Cambridge University play their golf. Um, sort of very revered place, isn't it? Have you been there? Yeah, that's an insane routing as well, isn't it? The Divine Nine, or whatever it's called. The Sacred Nine, yeah. The Sacred Nine, that's Be- it. Because again, that's one of those ones where I think like, do you hit over the first green from the second tee? Um, you certainly hit over some greens off tees there. It's been a while since I played there, like four years. Um, yeah. But, th- but that, was think- a, that was a lovely little spin, that. It's a golf architectural snobs favourite. People say it's very similar to Augusta, like no rough and sort of all subtlety. Not you know having that, are you? No, not really. I mean, um, there are some there are some excellent holes there, and it was a really really good golf course, and it ranks pretty highly. But the first is a pretty ordinary. <laughs> it's a pretty ordinary it's, opener. It's like um, a four and a half, isn't it? The first. Uh, it's got an absolutely worldy par three of the eighth, yeah. I think. Yeah. And then it's got um, a really cool. It's got a really cool ninth, isn't it? Where you have to sort of hit over a. The stream goes across the fairway, I think, in a diagonal, if I remember rightly. Yeah, you yeah. sort of have to hit across it. So it's, I think one of the, one of the strange things about sort of eighteen holes versus almost any other number um, is that it's very difficult to sort of move your brain on from thinking, well, it's not proper if it's not eighteen holes. And um, whereas in lots of other sports, there are sort of established ways of doing something. Um, that is definitely the sport, but it's just a slightly different format. The best example I can think of when I was um, wondering about this podcast is five-a-side football. Because football is like ubiquitously played, right? And one of the great things about it is you just need some cliche alert, jumpers and a, jumpers for goalposts and a ball, and you can play in the park. But like, there's millions and millions of people playing five-a-side football on weeknights that takes half an hour or whatever, they don't have to get 22 people together to play alone side on a grass pitch that they've got no access to. And it's like properly established, like people just, there's no sniffiness about five-a-side, is there? It's just a thing that people do. Whereas I think if you said, oh, I'm playing in the nine-hole league on a Tuesday night or whatever in golf terms, then people would think that that was not proper. Right, well, let me, let me get on my... Um... Let me get in my soapbox here, and I would say because I've been I've advocated for fewer than eighteen holes in the past. The pieces are there; you can look at it on nationalclubgolfer.com. Um, and my views on this are pretty well known. That eighteen holes is a completely arbitrary number, and if you invented the sport today, you would never have eighteen holes. You just wouldn't. Why would you invent a sport that takes four hours plus? You know, we, we, we criticise, like, a lot of people in the UK criticise American sports, like the NFL, for example, and baseball, for taking too long. Oh, there's so much standing around. It's just for TV ad breaks. And then we've got our own sport over 18 holes where we spend 76 seconds or whatever it is hitting shots and four hours standing about or walking yeah. about. You, you just would not You just would not make the sport 18 holes anymore. I mean, we'll get on. I'm sure to how many we would probably have as an ideal, but this this attitude is cha- this attitude is a traditionalist attitude. When I when I get when I talk about this and I get hammered, I get hammered off a particular demographic, um, and I'm going to be kind by saying a particular demographic. It's a particular kind of person, and the reality is that those people will not be here um, in a generation's time, and the movement towards fewer than 18 holes is already begun now 
18 holes has its place. Um, and for for people, it will be um, always be the standard form of the game, and so it should. But this sniffiness about, oh, you're only playing nine holes or your competition's only over nine holes, that, that thought is going to is going to die out. It's going to die out with the people who hold it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, a, there's an intellectual debate might break out here in a minute if you if you just bear with us long enough. So if you um, if you if you think about that five side football analogy, and again, there's going to be a sort of cliche alert here. Like it is similar in um, casual cricket. So yeah. I, my kids are a member of um, a very good cricket club near us called Thorpe Arch in Boston Spa. Shout out to them. Um, and they have teams, obviously, at lots of different age groups. And um, they have a first and second team that play on a weekend. And they're always scraping around, particularly in the summer, to get a team out for the second team. And it's not a surprise because uh, a 40 over cricket match on a Saturday takes all day. And um, if you go and play and you're not like opening the batting or opening the bolt, and there's no guarantee you're actually going to do anything apart from stand at third man. Um, and nowadays, that we're all expected to be at home and on duty and do our parenting. Um, so it's a very difficult ask, isn't it? Um, and that is very, very similar to a round of golf, which you can try and pretend that it's you're going to get out at 7 o'clock and be back for lunch. But it very rarely happens like that. And a massive part of that is just the number of holes that we play. Um, what does happen really well in the cricket club is when they have midweek 2020s, where it's all, it's all over and done with between 6 and 9. Um, and it's much, 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 much more acceptable in terms of time away from home, uh, and everyone gets a go. So I think that that is the, it's not just a golf thing, is it? That is the direction of travel, is that these the idea of these sort of luxurious leisure activities that take all day, it's just a thing of the past. And I think the 18-hole thing is very much tied into the sort of the way that golf was taken in the olden days. So if you think about very traditional clubs like Muirfield, for example, um, or Royal County Down is something that I always think about, is that if you were going to the club, you were going for the day, right? Um, Royal County Town is a great example where most of the membership lives away from the local area. They commute down from Belfast or wherever. And the, the sort of traditional membership of the club is very much kind of professional classes. So they would be taking their Wednesday golf or their Saturday golf and they'd be traveling down from Belfast to do it and they'd be having a nice lunch when they did it and they would travel back in the evening. And it's a it's a day's activity. Um, and I think the same could be said of, of Muirfield, where Muirfield is basically as famous for the lunch and the cummel as it is for the as it is for the golf course. But this idea that on a weekly basis you can have um, a day at leisure away from your family and away from your work or whatever else, and away from your phone, let's face it. Um, it's like it's it's a thing of the past, isn't it? And I guess that that's 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 no criticism of that way of doing things. And if if you have the time, the money, and all the rest of it to to be able to do that, then fair play to you. But for the vast majority of people, they're trying to sneak in their hobbies in windows that allow it. It's one of the reasons that things like cycling and running has had such a renaissance, is because you can do it from your front door at any time of day. So this the eighteen hole thing is a real it's a real monkey on the back of golf I think. So let me give you um, my timetable for my day tomorrow, which I think will be instructive um, as to what you're talking about. Because there's, there's there are a number of things that I want to do tomorrow. My wife and my daughter are aware there's like a brownie thing, um, and my uh, 
my daughter's a brownie. So they were away all day. So I've got a day essentially to myself. So I could go and play 18 holes and while away the day at my leisure, which I'm going to. But I'm also trying to fit several other things in there as well. There's a record fair tomorrow in Leeds. I'm a vinyl nut. Quite like to go to that. Middlesbrough playing Coventry on TV at half past 12. I'd quite like to see that. The Lionesses are in the World Cup quarterfinal at half 11. I'd quite like to see that at the same time. And I'd quite like to fit in 18 holes somewhere. So it's like there's not there's not really enough hours in the day. And I've got to this point where I think we're going to be playing golf tomorrow at 10 to 4. So I can essentially fit some of my activities in. Um, and if I if I was just playing nine holes, I could play nine holes, but I'm I'm obviously travelling, so you know we we're paying an eighteen hole rate. Um, if I was just playing nine holes, it would be so much simpler, wouldn't it? Yeah, and you still get your golf in. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, you you have just described that basically. Oh, I've got a free day. How many things can I cram in? <laughs> I'm trying to do so much, <laughs> and then I'm going to have a night out. Um, so yeah, that is that is a good example. And the other thing I think that is sort of worth throwing into this debate is what I, I think that we come at this quite often from the wrong direction. So we all, everyone looks at the professional game of golf, right, and says um, seventy-two hole stroke play is boring, takes too long, no one's engaged with it. It's been the same way for years. Blah 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 blah. And there obviously is some merit in that debate, but. There is still a place for long-form sport at professional level, right? And, because... and, and amateur level as well, you know, I think. Well, yeah, there is, but there's much less place for it at amateur level. Um, and in many ways, you sort of, you kind of, you should be building up to the longest format of the sport. Like, we've just had a summer of, like, yet another absolutely amazing Ashley series. Everyone says Test cricket's dead. Basball's totally reinvented it. The last test went to basically the last minute of the fifth day. And um, so there's, there was obviously a place for that at the highest level where um, the, the you sort of working up to this of, can you take your game to that sort of ultimate test? Same for five sets in tennis. Like you don't play five sets at your local tennis club because like everyone would be exhausted. Um, so I wonder whether when we're looking at professional golf that as an industry, as a, as a sport, we often try and ape what is happening at professional level. And we think, right, well, they're playing 18 holes and they're doing 72 hole. Um, they're doing 72 hole events. Therefore, longer is obviously better. If you think about things like, I don't know, a county championship at golf or a club championship at club level, they like often take place over two days or they're certainly 36 holes or I think of the York Dramatur, for example, and um, it just it takes forever. Like it's 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 seventy two holes of stroke play golf. Like who's got time to do that? I, I don't um, I don't mind it though. Um, as um, as occasionals, um, my sort of thing with eighteen holes at clubs, our clubs in particular, in terms of competitions, is it's the only thing we're offered. Um, and we might have some variations around the theme. It might be a Stableford. It might be a team event, but nine hole golf at the clubs that I've been at is really not taken particularly seriously. They might do like a nine and dine, or you might do like a Thursday and nine hole competition, but it, but it is not taken as seriously as your Saturday, your Saturday competition or your board comp. And, and I'm sort of thinking, well, what, what's the difference? Why not have a nine hole board competition? Why not have one? Um, and, and encourage people to get into that, 
um, into that that frame of mind that it's not a fun joke part of the game. You know, you you mentioned cricket earlier on, right? I played a lot of evening cricket when I was younger, and I can tell you, it's it was it was considered to be development. So you, you had a lot of young players playing in there with some senior heads around them, but it was taken seriously. It was not a joke. People wanted to clubs wanted to win that league. Um, and they wanted to do well in it. Whereas I think with golf, at clubs, we sort of dismiss nine, hole, nine holes as, well, it's just something to do before we go and play 18 holes. And if we actually treated it as seriously as we treated an 18-hole competition, um, right, here's a nine-hole competition where there's a serious prize on offer for it. Your name is going to go on a board. The RNA have got this right you know, with the nine-hole championship where you go and play at the back nine of the, or the first four or the back five of the open layout and you have a massive inter-club competition to give you the chance to qualify there. The RNA have got this absolutely spot on. They know what they're doing with nine-hole golf. But apart from passing interest in that competition from some clubs, I don't think a lot of clubs on the whole treat nine holes properly. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. And I think like what, what, the club that I grew up at, Louth Golf Club, which I always mention on this podcast, we used to the captain's night on a Wednesday night was a um, was a nine holer, and it was the it was honestly the best night of the week because you just rock up, you could play, you could tee off like obviously really late, bar was packed, um, it just sort of felt like the right balance of things is that you would turn up getting your competitive golf. It was like a giant swindle, so there's plenty of money to play for, so people took it seriously. But there's also sort of plenty of drinking and socialising afterwards because people would hang around for the result. Um, so I think it's I think it's a massive thing. And we're going to talk about slow play. Like and we, we can talk about it now. Like slow play has been back on the agenda again this week um, with Saganda and a sort of two shot penalty at the at the Evian a couple of weeks ago. Um, so she she's obviously a very successful Solime Cup player, um, professional golfer. And in a major, which the Evian is, she's been handed a two-shot penalty for playing too slowly. Um, and then this week, she's been asked about that, obviously, at the, um, the Women's British at Walton Heath in her press conference. And she said it's, sort of, it's not fair because golf rounds on tour just take a long time. Um, I don't know what your views are on her or it or that, but she's right. Like, it just takes a long time, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean... Um... It, that, it's an interesting debate that, and um, Nellie Corder was asked about it in her pre-Women's British Open conference as well, and she kind of said, you know, it's tough to watch five, five and a half, six hours. It is a fact that the professional game is way too long. I, I understand that they're um, playing for a lot of money, like an unbelievable amount of money, and the pressure that must be involved in not only that, and also playing for your living, which obviously these players are. Not everyone is right at the top of the game with huge endorsements and the actual turning up in tournaments is just kind of like the icing on the cake. You know, a lot of people, a lot of professional golfers are relying on performing to the best of their ability in order to put their meals on the table and so on. And so I understand why you would be deliberate um, and want to make sure that no stone was un- unturned out on the golf course, but it's too long. I mean, in TV, we're kind of shielded. I mean, we moan about it on TV, but we're kind of shielded a little bit from it because 
there's always another shop to go to on a telecast. So it doesn't. It's the cumulative time of watching the broadcast that makes you go, Jesus Christ, this is like really, really long. But when you're out as a spectator watching a tournament, and we did this at the Open, and you just stood around for like two, two minutes at a time, just watching players looking in the yardage books. I mean, it's, it, it can be an interminable thing for a spectator just when you actually see all this faffing around in its and its true glory and a lot of it is because i think players just need to be a bit smarter about how they do their routines i see a lot of players they don't even start their routine until it's their turn to go well there are lots of things that you can do way outside of ready golf um to just speed that up, but they don't because it's the way they've been taught or it's the thing that's most comfortable to them. And it is making, I, I found watching parts of live golf at the open, like quite difficult because it was just, it's just obviously now taking way too long to get around a golf course. If five and a half, five hours, five and a half hours at the professional level is just the standard now, then we have to do something about it. But, you know, this debate comes up a lot, Tom, and I remember um, I, I remember referees on the PGA tour like years back basically saying, "We're not going to, well, we're not going to basically ruin players' careers on slow play." No, I mean, so I think that I raised that point because pe- people are very triggered by slow play, right, and at amateur level and at professional level. What I thought was interesting about her sort of defence of her own position was that she's just saying that this is how long it takes. Like she felt like she'd been made an example of. It's not fair. And I think there's some truck with that. And I think I'm trying to try tie it into the debate about is 18 holes the right num- the number for a golf course. And if you think about the the arguments that happen about slow play at club level, where people will say, "Oh, Dave's really slow," or Maureen takes forever or whatever you don't want to get stuck behind so and so what they're really saying is i don't have the time to be out here for this lot right because you, you almost speak to an equal number of people who say um like what's the rush like we're here to this is our leisure time why are people so desperate to get around the golf course i know from my own experiences that these days when i turn up to play golf on a saturday um that i'm basically thinking how quick can i get around um, because I know that I'm under time pressure to get back. And that is, that is entirely the wrong mentality. If we, if the competition or if I was playing at a nine-hole golf course, then I wonder how much that would shift because I'm just going to be out there for less time anyway. And maybe I would like be able to sort of luxuriate in that time I was spending and kind of enjoy that leisure time a bit more because there would be less time pressure. Um, so I guess, I mean, it's not, I don't, it's not the same for the um, Siganda debate because they are playing at the highest level. Um, I just think that we're making. Well, I think sometimes we make our, we're making a rod for our own back by saying thou must play eighteen holes, and then not everyone's got time to do that. So then we just start having a bickery argument about the fact it's taking too long. Of course, it's te- of course it's taking too long because it's a six-kilometer walk. Yeah, you're going to get the go play another sport brigade coming out after you for that one. But it, it should. This is why. This is why I think that. Um, we should take... who, are, who are who are the don't um, who are the go and play another sport brigade? Who are these people? Well, you will be able to find them if I write a piece from this and post it on Facebook. They'll they'll come out of their hidey holes in numbers. 
But I mean, so that if we're going to write a piece about it, the piece should be called 18 holes is too many, because it is. So I just think that like there's there's an awful lot of kind of um there's an awful lot of window dressing about slow play. Like you've just said, oh, on tour players take too long with their pre-shot routines, right? Brilliant. And if they like, and you'll you'll presumably get quite triggered and tell me that 30 seconds per shot additional our cumulative effect is X number of minutes over a round in a big field and you'll get your referee credentials out and that's all fine. But with most debates, there is like a big thing, isn't there, which is the sort of elephant in the room, the answer to the question. And a few years ago, like I think the RNA issued some sort of mandate or kind of advice about how you could play quicker. They were saying all of the classic stuff about leaving your bag on the right side of the hole. The pace of play manual. Hmm. Yeah, and they were advocating all sorts of nonsense, like uh, slower players should play at the end of the day or people who had all day to play should should go off late and people who wanted to be around in three hours should go off first. I mean, it's just like what? Like the, the fundamental thing is it's too long a walk because there are too many holes. And then I would then say that next layer down of like the thing that is most important is the length of the holes. And the third thing most important down is how hard the holes are. And those are the fundamental things that would make golf quicker. But starting with the eighteen hole thing, that 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 would make the biggest difference. If you could make if you could find a way of making nine hole golf or whatever hole golf credible and competitive and acceptable to more people, then more people would play more often. Yeah, I, I just wonder whether this will change in time. I mean, first going back to your first point, um, your the six kilometer walk. Um, or six mile walk or whatever it is it's probably about six miles actually um is is absolutely correct um i'm quite a quick walker i think i walk at about three three and a half miles an hour so right do the math i mean like even without even without playing a shot even without playing a shot it would take me approximately two hours probably to walk six miles um so there's so there's that in it in itself um that's an absolute um you can't get away from that. I mean, that's that's basically physics, right? Um, it takes you a certain amount of time to get from one place to another. Um, and unless you run, nothing is going to change that. Um, going back to your other point, I, I think a, a lot of this, a, a lot of golf's inflexibility comes from what people consider to be tradition. The idea that we've always done it this way. Um, I got... Uh, roundly abused for various pieces that I've written in the last couple of weeks, one of which was about obviously stroke and distance and then the one that we talked about on, on, on the podcast last week. And one of one of my critics said to me, why are you always trying to change everything? It's so boring. Um and and the reason is that we should have we should we should always question and we should always debate. Um, and just because something has been the case in our lifetimes doesn't mean it was always the case. And I think we've talked about that with 18 holes. 18 holes is something that came out of luck, as we talked about earlier on. You know, go back to the oldest golf course in the world, Leith, as it was, five, right? Five. Prestwick, 12. We've Again, we've talked about Shiskin, 12. You know, it's just that a modern golf audience has fixated in its head that golf should be 18 holes. There's nothing historically relevant about that. 
so why can't you so why can't you then look at it again we use tradition in golf as a stick with which to beat ourselves all the time we can't have this tournament not on a saturday over 36 holes because it's always been that way well so what so what times change things change right just because you're doing it now if you fast forward 100 years it might be done completely different again everything is up for debate everything is up for change and no one is stopping people from playing 18 holes 18 holes will always have its place um and a 36 hole club championship people get excited about that it's an event because it's the only time we do it right if we were playing 36 holes every weekend people get pretty bored with that massively quickly and that's what i'm asking them to do with with 18 holes i'm asking them to think differently about it and say does this suit us in a modern lifestyle is it the right thing um to to keep people engaged with the game um not just now but into the future and as 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 our current demographic moves and a new demographic our age group in particular and below come forward who are massively time pressured you know i cannot get i used when i first started playing golf tom i used to be able to get away with going out at eight o'clock and coming back at three and basically going haven't i had a nice time like my backside kicked now if i did that every saturday yeah, the world changes, and the sport needs to change with it. Yeah, I think um, I'm sort of pleased with this conversation because I feel like I mean what I mean what I'm saying. Um, like it's 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 just too much, isn't it? Like we're playing. We're, we'll stop talking about this in a minute. We're playing. We're playing tonight after work. There's nine of us going for a game at Scarcroft, and we're going to play at I don't know half four or five o'clock, and that means you're going to get home at half past nine. Like. Crackers, absolutely crackers. There's no, there's no other other uh, hobby I can think of where you that would be kind of like a permissible thing. Um, anyway, but but, it was I mean, but if you played nine, right, and maybe you maybe you will play nine. If you play nine, you can go back in. You can have something to eat. Maybe you can have uh, you can have a pint or you can have a soft drink, and you would still get home for that time. Yeah, I know. So I think there, I think there's massively something in it. Um, I think that hopefully that this is the sort of direction of travel that the industry is moving in. Um, it's it's something again that could easily be um, developed at club level, right? With the kind of more acceptable nine hole competitions, midweek nine hole competitions, weekend nine hole competitions. Try and get people sort of thinking that they can come and take their golf uh, a little and often, if you like. Um, and I think that. The, the point that you make that there's there's no sort of historical straitjacket for this because the whole thing is just sort of has got arbitrary provenance and there's plenty of examples of historical venues which are fewer than nine holes in the first place. I think there's there's tons to it. Tons it to would it. it would also force you to play properly. A, a lot of, a lot of people that I talk to don't like the the idea of nine holes. Say, well, it takes me a few holes to get going. Um, and, you know, I don't feel like I'm sort of getting into the rhythm of the round until I sort of get through five or six holes. And I feel like I'm in my flow then as we get into the bat nine. Well, that that's as much about the way that you play the game and as much about preparation yeah. as anything else. And nine hole golf as a, as a really competitive format would force you. I, I think actually if we played nine holes as standard, we'd probably play better. We'd probably be more competitive in the long run because it would force us to be at it immediately. You turn up, you warm up properly, you'd be able to concentrate for the whole time, 100%. Um, right, that's that sorted.
Um, I'll be playing in the Nine Hole Club Championship as of next year, I'm sure. Uh, right, so you're going on your holidays. Next week, there's a special podcast with a very special guest about, no surprises here, a very special book. I might hope it. Well, sh- shall I tell people? Because f- on this occasion, we've actually pre recorded it. So we've got it. <laughs> so it's, it's not us saying to you, we're going to have this special guest, and then they sort of like, we can't get it together. We've, I've actually recorded this. It's in the can. It's edited. It's scheduled. Um, we will be speaking with renowned golf course architect and golf commentator Jeff Shackelford next week about his book, Golf Architecture for Normal People. Um, he's brilliant, Jeff Shackelford, isn't he? Like his blog's awesome and his output generally is very sort of agreeable. So I'd be interested to read his book and hear your chat with him. And the reason we're doing that is because you're going on your holidays. Yes, I'm leaving everyone in the lurch. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we'll try and cope without you. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. One piece of housekeeping. If you could make sure that you are subscribed to the most current version of our podcast on Apple and Android, that would ensure that you're getting the up-to-date feed every time we publish a new podcast, which I'm sure you don't want to miss. Thank you very much. Cheers. We'll see you soon.